Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. Good morning, everyone. There's a lot on my heart this morning, um, and I actually want to kind of start with uh, a word I felt during worship. Um, As we're singing these songs, you know, like, raise a hallelujah. And um, that song was actually written from a place of a desperate situation. Um, there was a little boy who was really sick, and they, the, basically the writers, Jonathan and Melissa Helzer, got together, and they said, we're going to write a song that's basically prophesying that um, death doesn't have a hold on this little boy. And it became an anthem that was pro- prophesying, speaking God's heart into a very hard situation to call life forth. And there was a miracle that happened, and that little boy, the situation totally turned around, and God did a miracle. And so as we were singing this morning, my heart just began to stir with this passion, and it almost began to feel like this rallying the troops for battle. And I was reminded of um, a really difficult season that I was in. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a really hard season. Yes, it should be everybody in this room just about. Um, You know, you feel like you're walking through that Psalm 23, sometimes that valley of the shadow of death, or just different difficult things where you feel like you don't see an end. And so I was in one of that season several years ago, and I began to pray this prayer because my waking hours were really difficult. I was going through a sickness, a lot of panic attacks. If any of you have dealt with anxiety, I've been there. And I prayed this prayer um, that's very similar to this prayer (laughs) <laughs> that was prayed in Second Chronicles. I'm going to turn there. I didn't plan to talk about this this morning, but maybe somebody needs to hear this today. <clears throat> and you can turn with me there if you want to, or I can just read it. It's totally fine. So this is in Second Kings, actually, chapter 6. And what is going on in this passage is um, Elisha and his servants are looking out, and they just see all of these terrible enemy armies, and it can feel that way in a really difficult season. You're like, God, I'm surrounded on every side. I literally see no way out. But then in verse 17, it says, then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes, the eyes of his servant, and let him see. So the Lord opened the eyes of his servant, and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so in the middle of being surrounded on every side by the enemy, God opens the eyes of Elijah's servant to see with the eyes of the Spirit. And he sees that they're actually more for them than against them. They saw the angel supernatural armies of God. And these are the same armies that are at like Jesus' disposal right now for anything that we can be going that can be going on in our lives. And so I began to pray this prayer in that really difficult season. And that night I had a dream. And I believe that God still speaks through dreams and visions. And we're actually going to get into a little bit of this today. And so this might be new for some of you, but I'm going to take you on this journey and hopefully just build some foundation for you for seeing this begin to activate in your life. And so um, I prayed this prayer. I had this dream where I saw the terrible darkness, the enemy's armies, and it was, I could almost sense it and feel it in the, feel it in the dream. It was so um, thick and, and real, and I just saw them advancing. And then all of a sudden, I saw coming against this huge army of darkness, 
God's army, and it was filled of worshipers and singers and musicians, and they were leading the armies of God, and it was like this clash, but it was so much brighter than the darkness, amen? And God gave me that dream to encourage me, and he said, Marielle, no matter what it looks like on the outside in this season, my kingdom is advancing, and it's advancing in your life, and you need to continue to persevere because there is a reward at the end of your season of suffering. And so I don't know if that relates to anybody in this room, but I also just want to take a moment. I felt, as I was seeing this during worship, I feel like there might be some people in this room where you might be having some really terrible nightmares. So I don't know if anyone wants to be vulnerable and kind of slip your hand up and be like, I've been having a hard time sleeping at night, been having really bad dreams. Is that anybody in this room? Because I'd love to pray for you. And if not, that's okay. I don't see anybody, so... Okay, awesome. Well, I just want to pray into this word, and then I want to pray into what I'm going to share today. So just invite you guys just to kind of join in prayer with me. So Father, Lord, we just come to your throne today, and God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. Open up our eyes to see what the Spirit of God is doing, no matter how deep the darkness, no matter how messy or dirty our lives might be. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, where you're pulling out the gold in the midst of any difficult situation, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would rest on hearts, that that song we are singing, Holy Spirit, come rest on us, would become a part of our everyday life. Lord, and so God, I just thank you for what you're doing in this room. I just yield to you, Holy Spirit, and I just say, come and take over. Come and take over. If there's something else that you want to say this morning as I speak, anything different than what I planned, Lord, I just say, come and have your way. We want to see you move with power, Holy Spirit, not just talk, but with power. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to pick this up, otherwise it's going to bother me the whole time. <laughs> So my name's Marielle. Um, for those of you who don't know me, like Roman pronounced my name so perfectly, the Spanish version, that was great, <laughs> Roman. And um, I'm just really happy to be here with you. I'm just honored to have the opportunity to speak with you this morning. And so today, we're going to talk about this topic of digging for gold. And as I take you on this journey, this, this topic title is going to begin to make a little more sense. Um, but I'm going to speak to you about the importance of hearing God in community. The importance of hearing God for your life, for hearing God for other people in your life, our city, and the world around us. So, <laughs> it doesn't take but two minutes of turning on the news any day to realize that we're living in really difficult times, right? And as I was thinking about this, this quote from A Tale of Two Cities came to mind, and hopefully I'm going to pronounce these words correctly because this is, <laughs> there's some difficult ones in here. <laughs> so it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, and it was the winter of despair. And this came to mind as I was just thinking about the times that we're living in and the things that are going on in the world. So often it can feel like everything is going wrong, that all we're hearing is bad news after bad event, etc., and it's never ending. And so, um, you know, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, 
And it's talking about the last days. So I'm going to read through some of this. And it might sound out, start off sounding kind of sad, but we're going to get into some hope this morning. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then the last verse is pretty strong. It says, have nothing to do with such people. Wow. And so um, in this passage, we're, we see this picture. It's a description of difficult times that are here in the last days. You know, not only do we have all these dark events going on in the world, all these things that are causing us to have anxiety, wanting us to hide away in our rooms, right? I don't know if y'all have seen those memes on the internet, but it's like this person like peeking out their front door and they're like, what, what chapter of the book of Revelation are we doing today? <laughs> um, and so we're seeing all these things and we're presented, you know, as the body of Christ with the question, what do we do with this? What view are we supposed to have of these things going on? And then we just read through this whole list of the kinds of things that we'll be dealing with in the times that we're in. Not that any of us are, (laughs) you know, um, have done any of these things before, right? (laughs) But I want to talk today about God's heart and what we should be focusing on in the middle of these dark times so I just read about what, would it, what it would look like in the last days, but this is also a picture of the last days. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy, and they will prophesy. And so this is a verse that's really close to my heart. I think it's incredibly important for the times that we're living in. Why, of all things, would God say about the last days, it would be marked by, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit be marked by people having dreams, visions, prophesying. It's because these are all ways that we hear from God. And as we hear from God, we begin to prophesy and declare those things out because that's what the heart of prophecy is. It's to look into the darkness, to look into the dirt and the muck and to say, okay, this looks really bad. Reality says that I'm surrounded on all sides. The enemy is closing in. But through the gift of prophecy, And even dreams and visions from God, like the one that I shared, we can get God's heart to see with his eyes into any situation, no matter how dark or difficult it is. And as we begin to see as God sees, we can begin to call that out of other people. We begin to bring life and hope in the middle of any situation. Because guess what, guys? Even even though things are hard, and the Lord didn't say that in the last days everything's going to be fun and great and perfect, but he did say that he's going to come back for a glorious bride who's radiant and she's clothed with the good deeds of the saints. And so no matter how dark and weary and mucky everything gets, God is looking to raise up his people who are walking in power, who learn how to prophesy, who learn how to understand dreams and begin to declare these things forth into the nations, into any situation so that we can see the kingdom of God advance 
as a light in the middle of darkness. This is the remedy. And so I'm going to get into some practical things. As I said, I know this might be somewhat new for some of you. Some of you might be very well versed in these gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I love this verse from Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. It's this picture of that darkness clashing with light. And it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. A thick darkness is over the people, and often it feels that way in the times we're living in. And then it says, But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so even when a thick darkness covers the earth, the good news is, is that if you will shine, if you will not be afraid to be a witness for Jesus, your light is going to bring so much brightness to the dark times that we're in. And even as I'm looking out across this room, I see some, there are a lot of young people here, you know, you might be in elementary, middle, high school, and I just want to encourage you that no matter how old you are, that God is actually, like, this isn't just a message for one group of people. It isn't just a message for those who've been saved for, like, 10 years. This is a message for everybody in this room. Everybody has a part to play in what God wants to do in this hour because it's going to be good. And I want to tell you, you don't want to miss out when God starts to move. And so this is what I want to propose to you today, that we need to hear God for our lives. It's not just something that is for some people. It's not just for the super spiritual. But we all need to be hearing God for our lives, our families, our communities, and our cities. And dreams, visions, and the prophetic gift are all ways that God communicates his heart with us. And so um, even in the middle of all these dark times, we have to remember the heart and the nature of God. If we look at the life of Jesus, and Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We can look at the life of Jesus and see that he healed the sick. He delivered those who were oppressed. He walked with humility. And if we want to know what the Father God is like, we just have to look at the life of Jesus. And we see throughout um, his life that he demonstrates that God is the God of all hope. And this is Romans 15, verse 13, and it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. You guys doing okay? I'm sweating a little bit, but thank you for responding. <laughs> um, okay. I want to lay this foundation for you because what I want you to walk away with today, if nothing else, is this a deeper understanding and maybe even a hunger inside of you to pursue God and actually expect him to speak to you. That this passion would come up inside of you and you'd say, hey, actually this is for me. That the God of the universe is not an angry, cruel taskmaster, but he actually loves me personally and he wants to speak about every area of my life as a good, loving father would. And so, if nothing else, I just hope to ignite this thing inside of you, this, this understanding, this revelation that God wants to speak to you. And what he has to say to you is actually really good. He's the God of all hope, and he's speaking hope to your future. So, along these lines of a tale of two cities, this phrase kind of came to me as I was preparing this weekend. It's called a tale of two gardens. So <laughs> I'm going to give a really quick overview of our story that we're in right now, our story with God, our story with Jesus. 
and what this means for us. Okay, so Tale of Two Gardens, let's talk about the first garden, and this is the Garden of Eden, and this is where we see, <laughs> this is Genesis 3, verse 8, and it said, there, it's talking about Adam and Eve, and it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So this is right after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin came into the world. And this is where we see that relationship with God was broken in that moment. And up till then, they walked with God in the cool of the day. They heard his voice intimately as a friend. From that very picture of that paradise garden, it was about knowing God intimately. He wanted to be friends with the people that he made, but then sin came in. And so we see throughout the Old Testament, because oftentimes people will say, Mariel, well, isn't prophecy and the prophets isn't that just old testament and even if that is just old testament it just seemed like they're always prophesying doom and gloom so i want to just talk about this for just a moment <laughs> so um ever since the garden where sin came in man was separated from god and that perfect relationship was broken so the old testament is basically this picture of god doing all these things to try to bridge that gap back with his people and they keep falling short they're an unfaithful bride and it's it's very upsetting to god and he keeps sending these prophets to communicate to his people because that perfect relationship is broken so he sends prophet after prophet and they don't listen they kill and they stone the prophets and so god is looking at his people and he says okay what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son. And that's where we have this new covenant where Jesus comes in and we no longer have that separation from God. When Jesus died on the cross and he gave his final breath and he was resurrected and then the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, we're no longer separated. We no longer have to rely on the voice of prophets to hear God for us. We get to experience the Holy Spirit living inside of us every single day. Yes, amen. It's really good news. It's really good news. And so because of this, I want to make this as simple as I can because sometimes we, I know that there are people in this room and maybe you've had a, you've come out of a really difficult season. You could be in one right now. Maybe you've been like, Marielle, I've been praying and I've been trying to hear from God for a while. I've got this thing going on. I feel like God's not answering me. And I totally understand. But I want to tell you today that it is your right to hear from God. And I believe that even as I share this message and we pray, we're actually going to do an activity at the end. And I believe that there's going to be breakthrough for you today. And so when everything was broken in that first garden in Eden, we are separated from God. Then Jesus came, you know, the lamb that was slain. And I love this story from John 20. It's one of my favorite in scripture. We hear it a lot at Easter, but it's one of my favorites. And it says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. This is Mary Magdalene. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. <laughs> at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And I don't have the whole passage um, written out here. You can look at it in John 20 with me as I, as I talk through this. But it actually says she thought he was the gardener. She didn't recognize him as Jesus. It is kind of funny. She thought he was the gardener. 
But it was this beautiful picture of where everything was broken in the first garden in Eden. Jesus came and restored everything in the garden tomb where his body <laughs> was resurrected. It's amazing. And she thought he was the gardener. Jesus is a gardener, like it says in John 15. And he's working to restore us back to him. It's this beautiful picture that he laid down his life. And I also was just thinking about how beautiful it was that he appeared, appeared to Mary Magdalene. You know, she was somebody who, who seven demons was cast out of. And he, he thought she was worthy. He thought she was worthy to see him in his resurrected form as one of the very first people he revealed himself. And so often, you know, we can get into this place with God where we're like, God, I don't even feel like I can come to you today because of what happened yesterday. Do you even really want to talk to me, God? And God is just this whole time, he's like, I have, a, I have given everything my whole life, my whole life to win you back to me. There's nothing you could do to make me love you any less than I do right now. And so when everything was broken in that first, first garden, we see this beautiful picture of redemption in that second garden in the tomb where Jesus was resurrected. It's a beautiful story. And so it's our story. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the whole thing about relationship with God, I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and I had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was in college. It changed my life. I love the Southern Baptists. I'm so thankful for my upbringing because um, I really got a solid foundation in the Word of God. But I would often hear this preach from the stage, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I remember thinking, even as an elementary schooler, like, what does that look like, though? Like, I feel like I pray all the time, but I don't hear God respond to me. And here's the thing about relationship with anybody, is it revolves, it, it requires communication, not only praying and talking to God, but we have to learn to, to hear his voice in the many different ways that he speaks. And we see these amazing ways throughout scripture. Um, you know, we see him talking to Moses through a burning bush. We see angels appearing to different people. We hear, you know, um, there's this gift of prophecy where God will send somebody into your life to speak a word in season that you need to hear. Um, we hear God through the still small voice. And of course, we always want to align everything we hear with coming back to scripture and aligning it with the heart and the nature of God of who Jesus is revealed in the Bible. We always want to make sure that what we're hearing is aligning with God. But you were made to hear God. That's, a, that's what a relationship with God is about. And so I love this verse from John 10, 27 through 30. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so... When we come into God's kingdom, it's not like you reach this level, you know, it's like I've been a Christian for 10 years and now I'm ready to hear God, you know, it's been three months, now I'm ready. As soon as you come into this relationship with God, you have this ability to hear him and he wants to speak to you. And I love that Jesus is actually speaking in this parable in John 10 and he's talking about himself as a good shepherd and he uses sheep as an illustration. Sheep are, are known for not being very smart animals. And so it's actually pretty funny. He's saying, hey, if sheep can even hear the voice of their shepherd, how much more can you, my wonderfully and beautifully and fearfully made creation, hear my voice? And I'm speaking to you every day. So Romans 8, 31 through 34. 
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he did not spare his own son, how along, how will he not graciously give us all things? Amen. And so I wanted to kind of lay that foundation to show you just through this, our beautiful story with Jesus, Yeshua. You know, he paid such a high price that we could walk intimately with him so that we could hear him for our lives. But it doesn't just end there. God is actually calling every single person here to answer this call to say, okay, God, I want to be used by you. I want to find your calling for my life. I want to see breakthrough in difficult situations. And so now I want to talk um, a little bit about the the gifts of the Holy Spirit because (laughs) God gives gifts to us so that we can see our communities come alive with the Spirit of God. And so I've got some more scripture for you. Luke 11, 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God desires (laughs) to give you the Holy Spirit. So let's talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. The word gift in scripture, and the the Greek word is charismata, and it means grace. Gifts are freely given. They're not something that can be earned. And God gives the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the body, not to be like, okay, so this person did really good today, so now they get a gift. That's their reward. And this person's super spiritual and righteous, and they haven't sinned ever. (laughs) And Jesus is the only one who qualifies for that. So they get a gift. Um, It's not for anyone in particular. It's for all of his people because the gifts aren't about us. The gifts are needed so that we would actually use them, take them off of the shelf and say, okay, God, I I want this gift so that I can begin to transform the world around me, transform the world around me. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. I'd like everyone to say common good with me, just common good. Yes, great job. (laughs) To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another knowledge by the means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. So this is a whole layout of different gifts that are available through the same Holy Spirit, many different gifts, but the one Holy Spirit, and they're given for the common good (laughs) of his people. And so um, what I love about 1 Corinthians 12, so we have this description of the spiritual gifts, but then in 1 Corinthians 13, we have one of the most famous passages in scripture, right? It's the passage that's read like at every wedding, it's the passage on love. And um, we don't have a slide for that, but you're welcome to turn there for a moment if you have your Bible or if you wanna scroll there. But in the middle of God talking about spiritual gifts, all of a sudden we have this passage about love. You know, love is patient, it's kind. You know, if I, if I have the gift of prophecy, but I don't have love, I'm just a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal. 
And so God is saying to us, he's like, yes, I have these gifts for my people, but the center of it has to be love. It has to be love. And when it is, then we begin to see God break out in our communities, right? Because we begin to see it's not about us. It's not about us being like, oh, God, but I messed up yesterday. I'm not worthy to be used. He's like, I want you to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and answer the call. Come out of hiding. I was feeling the Lord saying as I was praying for us this weekend, he's saying it's time to come out of hiding. Yes, you. You're like, is that for me? It is. (laughs) So we have 1 Corinthians 12, the description of the gifts, 1 Corinthians 13, but it has to be centered in love. And then what I want to focus on is 1 Corinthians 14. So Paul has just told us, okay, here are the spiritual gifts, but you have to live a life centered and rooted in love, and this is what it looks like. It's not patient. I mean, it's patient. (laughs) It's not proud. It's not boastful. And then 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, now follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. (laughs) So he's saying, follow love. Now I want you to eagerly desire the gifts, whether you already have it, and you're walking in it to some measure, and there's always going to be more, or you're not operating in it yet. Paul is literally giving us permission to go after these things, eagerly. And he says, especially prophecy. So why is that? You know, I just, I opened up talking about When we see darkness in the world, when all we see is just dirt and muck and ick, it doesn't take a gift to see those things, but it takes a gift to say, okay, God, but what is the gold? Where is your light shining in the midst of my life or the situation? That's why we need the gift of prophecy, because that's what it does. And so I want to break this down a little bit, the prophetic gift. So what does that mean? It comes from the Greek word prophetia, which literally means to speak forth. And there are two aspects to this. And one, (laughs) and I also just kind of want to preface with this. I want to check the time. Great. So I want to preface with this. (laughs) We're living in a time where people are more used to the new age, horoscopes and astrology and numerology than they are to the power of God. And God is wanting, he's looking at his people and he's like, my sons and my daughters, this is not just for some people. I want to pour out my spirit on all flesh, on men and women, young and old. There's nobody that's excluded from this because I want you to demonstrate my power to a hungry and dying world that's seeking power in all the wrong places. And so (laughs) the enemy just takes what God does and he creates a counterfeit. He twists and so, so often people get offended by the power of God moving because they're so used to seeing other things of the world. But God is still delivering. It's not just a song we sing. God is still raising the dead. He really is. He really is. He's healing the sick. He's healing the sick. He's moving today. And so the gift of prophecy, that word prophetia, has two parts to it. Essentially, although meaning to speak forth, the first is to foretell. I know that sounds new agey. It's not. <laughs> so... Um, I wanted to pull up my notes on this a little bit deeper. So to give you an example, so to foretell is to know what's going to happen in the future. I love that it says about the Holy Spirit in John 14. Jesus was talking about the function of the Holy Spirit, and he said he's going to show you things to come. This helper is going to come, and he's going to show you what's to come. And so some examples of this foretelling with the gift of prophecy, we see this in the life of Jesus. It's so incredible. 
Jesus fulfilled through his life more than 324 individual prophecies. It's statistically impossible for somebody to, to do that on their own strength. But it was these prophecies were foretold about Jesus long before he ever came to be. Here are a couple examples. It was prophesied in Micah 5 verse 2 that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a donkey in Zechariah 9.9. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver in Zechariah 11.12. And it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin in Isaiah 7.14. And those are just some of the many references. And so that's part of the prophetic gift, is that foretelling to know the future. (laughs) Um, So I'm trying to think of a good example of this. So as I began to operate in the prophetic gift in my life, it's just been such a wild journey. It's been amazing because I've I've become to know God as a friend. And so one of the first things that happened to me in this wild journey with the Holy Spirit is I had a dream. And in this dream, (laughs) I literally just saw myself taking a pop quiz in one of my missions classes in college. And then the next part of the dream, I saw a bunch of rats invade my parents' house. So I wake up from this dream, and I'm like, okay. I see a text from my mom, and she says, Mariel, I'm so frustrated. There are all this, these rats in our house overnight. I don't know like, where, they, where they came from. <laughs> and then I was actually on my way to my missions class. I was running kind of late, and I was like, I wonder if there's going to be a pop quiz today. Did the Holy Spirit warn me? And I was like, no, <laughs> probably not. Go into my class, sit down, and the professor says, okay, everybody, get out your pens because we have a pop quiz today, you know? (laughs) Yeah, the nature of a pop quiz is you don't know what's going to happen, but the Holy Spirit showed me in advance. And I even remember later that day telling my friend in my music class what happened, and some person behind me turns around, and she goes, are you a psychic? And I was like, no, that was the power of God. That was by the Holy Spirit that I had that dream. So that's one part. Okay. There's some things I want to get to, so I'm going to kind of go through this a little bit faster. So the second part is to foretell, and we see this in the story of the Ezekiel 37 Valley of Dry Bones. It's a wild story. God says to Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy to these dead things. You know, we sing a bunch of, there's a Brandon Lake song that we sing all the time. You know, he turns graves into gardens, and, you know, he's still doing that today. And so God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says, son of man, Essentially, use your authority that I'm, I'm giving you, and I want you to call something that's dead into life. And this is what we can begin to operate in as children of God, because he's given us authority over all power of the enemy. He's called us to destroy the works of the devil. And so sometimes we're not going to hear a clear word from the Lord as we're growing in this. But as we begin to understand God's heart for our situations, so we see, you know, we were praying this morning for somebody who just had a stroke, we begin to prophesy out of our authority in Christ. I prophesy life to her body. I prophesy that her heart is going to be fully healed. I prophesy, we begin to declare forth in faith because we know that God's heart is to heal. Even if our circumstances aren't lining up, we use our authority in Christ to foretell, to call it into being. All right, you guys still doing okay? Awesome. Okay. So there are three main purposes to the prophetic gift. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3 through 4, but the one who prophesies strengthens, encourages, and comforts. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. 
So the three main parts of this gift, it doesn't say to condemn, to call out sin, to make people feel really bad about themselves. <laughs> it says to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And I know there are people in this room maybe have a wide range of different experiences with the prophetic. Maybe it's totally new to you. Maybe you've been, you know, had some bad experiences. But I want to tell you today, out of scripture, the main parts of the gift to encourage the body of Christ is that strengthening, encouraging, and comforting thing that we operate in so that people can get God's heart for them. Okay, and so this is why I call this message digging for gold. <laughs> the prophetic gift is like panning for gold or digging for gold. You need to see beyond the mess and dirt in people's lives, in our own situations, in our nation, the way that God sees. He sees the gold within every person. And it reminds me of the story of David, you know, <laughs> when it was time to anoint a king, <laughs> David's dad brings out every brother except for him. He's like left in the field. It reminds me of the story of Cinderella, you know, for the ladies in the room. We've got David as this example. Cinderella, I know she's not a biblical figure, but I love the message of Cinderella. She was left in the kitchen, you know, locked away when the prince came. But it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. He looks on the outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the prophetic gift is, being okay, is like saying, okay, God, I see this person that I don't like, my coworker, this difficult family member, whatever it may be, fill in the blank, whatever situation you're in, and you say, okay, God, this is what I'm seeing. All I see is dirt, but God, would you open my eyes to see the gold in this person or in this situation or what you are doing, what you are doing so that I can get on the same page as you and I can begin to prophesy to those people. This is how God sees you. This is how God sees you. And this is what God is calling our community to grow in. Some of you in this room, I believe you're already operating in this gift. And like I said, I'm going to say it again. God is saying, come out of hiding. Prophets, <laughs> prophetic people, you are needed to encourage others. Grant, um, in one of his messages about community, he used the example of the body of Christ, right? And he said, all the ears can't gather in one place because <laughs> if we're all just hearing and nothing is, and we're disconnected from the body, you know, it's, we're separated. But God is calling us to pursue eagerly these gifts and stir them up to fan them into flame. Even if we're like, God, I, I don't totally know how to do this. It's simple. We just say, God, what is your heart? What are you saying? Help me find the gold. That's how simple our prayer can be. And then we listen. Okay. So um, I want to read this as well. It's one of my favorite verses in this passage in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in, in while everyone is prophesying, they are con convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. I love this because that word, secrets of their hearts, we might think, oh, maybe they're pulling out, you know, the worst thing about their life or just the hidden thing they don't want anyone to know. But that word secrets is the Greek word cryptos, which means treasures. 
And so when someone who doesn't know God comes into your presence and you're like, okay, God, I don't know this Starbucks barista. (laughs) I don't know anything about them, but God, what is your heart? What is the gold you're pulling out of them? And you can begin to pull out the gold in their heart and show it to them and say, hey, this is how God sees you. Then (laughs) if you're able to tell them something only God would know, they will fall down and exclaim, God is really among you. This will lead people to Jesus. I'm going to share one story with you in just a moment about this. But it's like the story of the woman at the issue, uh, the woman at the well. I almost said the woman with the issue of blood. That's so interesting. That wasn't even on my radar. Hmm. But the woman at the well in John chapter 4. So I'm going to kind of summarize the story for you. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with it. But basically, Jesus is not supposed to be talking with the Samaritan woman. <laughs> it's just against their culture of that time. But he begins this conversation with this woman at the well, and he asks her for a drink of water. And as they're having this conversation, it says in verse 28, actually, um, I'm going to have to just paraphrase a little bit more. Um, Actually, I have notes over here. He says to her while they're speaking in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. And he says to her, go and call your husband and come back. So Jesus literally was just meeting this woman. He knew nothing about her by natural means. And she responds and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is, is quite true. And she says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. So in this, in this moment, we see that Jesus is actually calling out a treasure in her heart. I believe that God is full of love, and he wasn't saying to this woman, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make you feel bad because of your past. He was actually speaking to an area of her life that she had a lot of shame about, and he was beginning to unlock her heart with this prophetic gift. It was a word of knowledge that only he would know. And it, in that moment, unlocked this door in her to receive him as he plainly then reveals himself as the Messiah, like, this was such an honor. He hadn't really up until this point said, I, like, as bluntly as he said to the woman at the well, like, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you've been waiting for. And it changes her life in a moment because he unlocks the secret of her heart. And so what happens in verse 28? Then leaving her water jar, the, wo- the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. (laughs) And Jesus sees this. He's watching with his disciples. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. The people that need to know God are many. And they're waiting for harvesters to be thrust out into the field. And you and I are the harvesters. Everybody in this room is. We are the ones God is saying, arise and shine. Come out of hiding. I want you to eagerly pursue my spirit and my voice so that you would go into the harvest field and that you would begin to prophesy to people, hey, you might be in a hard situation, but this is who God sees you as. And as this happens, it causes them to proclaim, wow, God is really among you. Come and see someone who told me everything I ever did. And could they know, could this man, Jesus, be the one? Could he be real? God is wanting to reach people, and he's calling us to be the ones to go and get the harvest field and come back in. 
I feel this especially just as we enter the time of fall. God is saying to us, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Will you go? Will you go? And so, um, Daniel, if you want to come up, I know you got your baby. (laughs) I want to share this really brief testimony with y'all. It's actually going to be different um, than the one I have up there, y'all. So (laughs) no need to have anything for this. But um, uh, this happened a while ago, but I was actually on the river walk in our city. And... (laughs) I, we ran into uh, a couple experiencing homelessness. I was with my friend, and we just began to speak to them. And I, as we were talking, I, I began to ask God that simple question to help me know how to pull the gold out from inside of them. I said, God, what is your heart for this person? And then I began to listen. <laughs> I began to listen, and I began to see this vision in my spirit of a little girl's uh, jewelry box, like the kind you open with a ballerina inside. And I'm thinking to myself, that's so random. Like, is that, could that be God? And I've, I've stretched myself and I've learned to step out in faith so often. I love seeing God move that I, I have learned to lay down my pride and humility to say, okay, I'm going to risk looking a little foolish. I'm going to risk even being rejected. Because, guys, seeing God move is worth it. If, 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 if all it requires is for me to have a little humility to see God move, then it's worth it. And so I'm not getting anything else in this. I just see this picture in my mind's eye of a girl's music box. So I say to her, I was like, I know, I was like, sometimes I hear from God, and I feel like he's telling me something for you, but it, all I see is a little girl's music box. And her eyes get super wide, and she goes, no way, I know what that is. And I was like, please tell me. And she goes, I have a little girl, and she's only a couple months old. And me and my boyfriend are hitchhiking to Florida. And she goes, "Um, I can't bring her with me, so I left her with my parents because they can't take care of her. And she goes, the last thing I gave her was a little girl's pink music box. And so we're both crying. (laughs) and that was the word that opened the door in our heart and I got to say to her hey God showed me that I there's no way I would know that a little girl's pink music box I I go God show me this because he wants you to know he loves you and he has a plan for your daughter he has a plan for your life and it began to speak hope to her future. Hey, this is what God's calling you to do, to open up a women's center who, for women who are struggling with homose- homosexuality. I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> who are struggling with, with home, homelessness. And maybe, hey, maybe that's what she's supposed to do, help people that are going through different life situations. I just maybe just prophesied that out of my mouth. That was so wild. Yes, Lord. Um, <laughs> And I began to prophesy into her life and begin to declare the gold that God saw inside of her. And um, it was just a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. And this is what God is calling us to do, to come out of hiding, to come out of hiding. And so when we start hearing God as a community, we find gold in the middle of the mess. The lost are found. People are encouraged, comforted, and strengthened. And so... um, I just want to leave you guys with this word I got as I was praying um, over this message this, this weekend. And so I felt like the Lord was saying, arise and shine. It's time to stop hiding. Your gifts are needed in this community, whether it's a prophetic gift or it's something else. You're needed here. Your, your gifts are needed in your family. 
your gifts are needed in your workplaces. As you step out in boldness, I feel the Lord is saying, I will be with you. Do not be afraid to get it wrong. I will be strong in your weakness. As you take risks in love for the sake of my name, you will watch me move in powerful ways. Redemption will come in like a flood. The loss will be found. Relationships will be restored. Provision will flow. Healing will manifest. Trust me, it's time to step out of the boat. I will be with you every step of the way. And I want to leave you with this verse from Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. And so just for these last couple of moments, as Daniel plays, um, I just wanted us to take a moment of reflection with the Lord. And um, I want to invite you to ask God a couple of questions. It's going to be super simple. We're going to ask God questions, and then we're just going to listen. We're just going to listen for his response to you personally. So if we could get the last slide up there, prayer and reflection. And these are the questions we're going to ask the Lord. We're going to just simply say, God, will you show me your heart for me? Maybe some of you in this room are just really needing to hear what God has to say to you. You want to know that God loves you, and he wants to reveal himself to you today. So that's the first question. And then we're going to say, God, will you show me your heart for somebody in my life, maybe that you want me to reach out to, or maybe you're having a hard time with, or maybe just a friend that you want to call the gold out of. And then lastly, we're going to ask the Lord this question. God, will you show me your heart for our our spiritual community, for our church? And maybe just one of those questions will be highlighted to you over the next couple moments. There's no right or wrong way to do this. (laughs) And so as we go into this time, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father... We just ask that you would once again just come and hover over us today. God, that you'd open up our hearts to hear from you. Every ear in this room be opened. Every eye be open to see what you are saying, God. I just invite you to come as a good father and a good shepherd and speak to us. Lord, we just lay everything aside, every distraction every sin that entangles God. And we just say, we just come to you as we are, knowing that you want to speak to us as your children. So come and show us your heart. Come and show us your heart. In Jesus' name.